everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. This will be a, a fun one as we get set for the weekend. Friday right now when I'm recording this, it's uh, coming up on around noon Pacific time. So the focus of this podcast will be Saturday, some horse racing, mainly Monmouth Park. It's the Haskell over there. It's going to be really Hot on the east coast so we're going to keep an eye on that They've actually already cancelled The racing card for Saturday at Saratoga Because it's supposed to be like somewhere around 107 degrees or so They moved that Saturday card To Sunday and We'll talk some Big little thoughts Big little lies recap episode 6 There's only one more episode of season 2 Big little lies Best Disney animated movies We've been going through the best movie series So far we've only done sports, different sports Best hockey movies, best soccer movies Best basketball movies Best golf movies, best baseball movies Now we're going to go Into the best Disney animated movies MLB trade deadline We'll get through some of those rumors In just a bit So lots to discuss on this episode Of That's What G Said The Open Championship right now, the British Open is currently underway And it was not a good first few days for Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson It was the first time in 83 majors that both Tiger and Phil played in That they both missed the cut So in the last 83, that's a long time uh, For these two to both miss the cut at the same time right now But Getting a little older, Tiger just did not seem good His body language was not good and he mentioned he just wanted to go home Afterwards, he just wants to be beyond this. And what's been really kind of strange is one of the perennial favorites in the Open Championship, Rory McIlroy, is really struggling right now. He is plus two through 16, and he is projected to miss the cut right now. He's tied for 75th at plus t- at two over. Current leaderboard, JB Holmes. Shane Lowry, Fleetwood, Lee Westwood, Cameron Smith, Justin Harding, Justin Rose, Brooks Kepka, uh, up at the top of the leaderboards. Every you know, Kepka's always going to be there. If you follow me on social meds, Twitter at it's me Gino B, Facebook.com, Gino Bacola, Instagram, G Bacola. I just posted a video, the Laker video from Laker Film Room, and this is a really, really smart. Basketball analyst who breaks down a lot of the Lakers and he dissects their games, positives, negatives, everything, individual players, schemes. He makes it easy to learn offense, defense, a lot of the terminology, things that the average person might not be able to kind of pick up. He'll stop, pause things, focus in on things. He'll kind of show you the way things are run. And it, if you're a Laker fan, it gets really it gets you really excited for just some of the possibilities with. Anthony Davis and LeBron James And Danny Green Those are the three in the video that he posts Because when you have a weapon like Danny Green Even though hey, Danny Green's getting older He's not going to play 40 minutes a game Danny Green's not going to score 25 points a game But I think people undervalue Danny Green In that he's such a good three point shooter And he shoots at such a high percentage And he's such a well respected three point shooter That the defenses generally Give you know Have to play him They stretch out and they, they cannot Leave him open like some of the other Lakers shooters in past years you can just leave Wide open and you know figure that they're Probably going to miss more often than they're going to make it That's not the case with Danny Green he he makes Wide open threes at a, at a massive Clip 
and when you ooh, when you see the the combinations of of LeBron and AD and what they and what they can do, this team is going to have some versatility and some options. It's all it's all about health. So check uh, check out that Laker film room that I posted on social media. Coming up this weekend on Saturday, a big boxing match, boxing fight on uh, Saturday night, the MGM Grand. Manny Pacquiao versus Keith Thurman. Pacquiao 61 and 7 overall. Keith Thurman is 29 and 0. This is a big fight in the welterweight division. As a few years ago, after Floyd was finishing up, Keith Thurman was the probably the best welterweight in the world at that time. He's 29 and 0 with 22 knockouts. He is currently the WBA Super World Welterweight Champion. But he missed 22 months due to hand and elbow injuries. In 2017, he came back in January to fight, but he, he looked shaky in his comeback fight. He was not dominant. There have been some questions and concerns of him previously in that he's he's not a fighter. He's in it to win it more. He's not going to try to knock you out. He's a little more tactical, and that's something that kind of rubs a lot of fans the wrong way. They love to see the fighters out there. And then you have Manny Pacquiao, who is... 61 and 7. He's held world titles in eight different divisions, 24 years now as a pro, the current WBA world welterweight champ. In the way the welterweight division is set up right now, there's kind of like a big five. So it's Pacquiao and Thurman. It's Errol Spence Jr., who's the IBF champ. He's 25 and 0. It's Sean Porter, who's the WBC champ. Uh, 32 and 1. He lost to Keith Thurman, but he's won four fights since that. And then the number one right now is Terrence Crawford, the WBO welterweight champ. He's 35 and 0. And the way it looks is that it's going to be Pacquiao versus Thurman, Spence versus Porter. And then the winner of each of those will fight. So the winner, Pacquiao Thurman, will fight the winner, Spence Porter. And then that winner. We'll go on to face Crawford And we can have a true kind of Undisputed champ of the division So that'll be fun a Big welterweight action Saturday night At the MGM Grand July the 19th On this day Let's go back to 1692 And One of the greatest Instances of mass hysteria in the U.S., really in the world, the Salem Witch Trials in 1692. On this day, five more people were hanged in the Salem Witch Trials. 200 people were accused throughout. 19 found guilty and executed. A couple others killed for different reasons, killed themselves, or different things happened. Really, really interesting time to read into the mass hysteria in colonial America. 1843, the steamship, the SS Great Britain, was launched. The largest vessel afloat in the world. 1877, it was the first ever men's Wimbledon final. Spencer Gore wins. You saw the Joker take the Wimbledon final. They've moved up Wimbledon a little bit now, a couple weeks. 1879, Doc Holliday reportedly kills for the first time. 1903, the first Tour de France was won. By Maurice Guerin 1910 Cy Young gets his 500th career victory In 1930 Polar Expedition Team Returns to the US following the first Exploration of the interior Of Antarctica 
1941, Tom and Jerry first appear under their own names in the cartoon The Midnight Snack. 1990, Dave Rigetti pitches his 499th game as a Yankee. And in 2007, Mad Men debuted on AMC. One of the most stressful events in life is moving. All the things that go into the process of relocating, there are so many different factors that you have to worry about. I know someone who can make your life easier. Very, very happy to talk about Cindy Carava as a sponsor of That's What G Said podcast. If the name sounds familiar, Cindy is the wife of horse racing trainer Jack Carava, who's been a mainstay on the Southern California racing circuit for the last 30 years. Cindy Carava is a full-service realtor that can help you in many different ways, like selling, purchasing, and leasing. She can help you find vendors like handymen, painters, landscapers, and gardeners that she personally uses in her own home. Also, if you need help getting pre-approved for a home loan, Cindy can connect you to lenders that she works closely with and can highly recommend. Covering all parts of the San Gabriel Valley, parts of North San Diego County, Del Mar, Solana Beach, and Rancho Santa Fe, if you're just curious to see how much your home is worth, she can even do a free market analysis of your home's value. You can find Cindy on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, the reviews about her on Yelp and Zillow, or the easiest way, cindycarava.com. You can find all of her contact information there. I've known her personally for almost a decade. She is one of the most honest and genuine people I've ever met. Exactly the type of person you can trust with any of your real estate needs. Get to cindycarava.com right now. Or if you have any questions at all, email her cindyc.realtor at gmail.com Mrs. Carava is a big fan of the movies and the movie, the best movie contest that we've been having so far. Her final four for baseball, they actually all made the Elite Eight, a league of their own, the Sandlot, Moneyball, and Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams finished second, losing to Major League, which went down as the best baseball movie for That's What G Said podcast. And now it's time with The Lion King coming out. A lot of the new Disney, a lot of the Disney movies being remade. Let's talk about the best animated Disney movies. Now, Pixar is included. And these have these are animated movies. Mrs. Carava's two favorite, Cindy Carava's Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast. I have to think that those are going to be two of the absolute top. I feel like those are going to be, you know, either one of them could win and it wouldn't surprise me. They have to be two of the heavy, heavy favorites. And because I love this and because there are so many good animated Disney movies and I didn't want to leave anyone out, this is going to be the biggest bracket we've ever done. And I have to imagine the biggest bracket we will ever do. I don't think any of the other sports will have, maybe we'll, uh, we'll go big on some other categories, but it's kind of exhausting making a 128 bracket. Which I did, yes 128 Movie bracket The best animated Disney movies Of all time, are you ready? Here is the list, the bracket is set up The voting will begin later on today So, get to Twitter Follow, it's me, Gino B And make sure because That's what's great about these Disney movies Let's not kid, right? No matter how old we are, what age we are, there are big, big Disney movies that maybe shaped our generation or were big parts of our childhood. And you'll see through the different eras, 
the movies. And I'm really curious how the voting will will hold up. Like, will the Moana, Coco, and Frozen's do well, or is it going to be more like the Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid, Aladdin, or will some of the even older ones, you know, the Pinocchio, Cinderella, uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, Bambi, will, will that older group do well? We'll see. Okay, here is the list. This is the bracket, the 128 team bracket, the 128 movie bracket, and when I list, these are the matchups going forward, so Get on over to Twitter, make sure and vote I need all your help And this is going to be fun, so let's have fun Can you imagine how many songs I'm going to be singing of all these different Disney movies I apologize in advance folks Beauty and the Beast Treasure Planet Jungle Book 2 versus The Brave Little Toaster Winnie the Pooh versus Inside Out Mulan versus Extremely Goofy Movie Tarzan versus Home on the Range Bolt versus The Secret World of Veridi the Fox and the Hound versus The Reluctant Dragon. Moana versus Atlantis, Milo's Return. Cinderella versus The Tigger Movie. Incredibles 2 versus Oliver and Company. Coco versus Teacher's Pet. Black Cauldron versus Tom and Jerry. How about two Tom and Jerry mentions on the podcast in the first uh, 15 minutes of the show today? 101 Dalmatians versus Secret of the Wings. Tangled. Make My Music. The Aristo. Cats. The Princess and the Frog. Up. The Return of Jafar. Other side, Aladdin versus Tinkerbell, Lost Treasure, Valiant, A Christmas Carol, Hercules, Fantasia 2000, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Brave, The Incredibles, Melody Time, Finding Dory versus Mars, uh, Mars Needs Moms, Sword in the Stone versus Cinderella 2, Bambi versus Arjun Warrior, Warrior Princess, Warrior Prince, Toy Story, it's gotta be one of the top ones, right, versus Pooh's Heffalump movie, Cars 3 versus Saludos Amigos, Lilo and Stitch versus Recess Schools Out. The Great Mouse Detective versus The Wild. Lady and the Tramp versus Meet the Robinsons. The Rescuers versus Dinosaur. Toy Story 4 versus Lady and the Tramp 2. Dumbo versus The Three Caballeros. That's the first 64, the other side of the bracket. Snow White versus Piglet's Big Movie. Robin Hood versus Bambi 2. The Jungle Book versus Roadside Romeo. Pete's Dragon versus Lion King 2. Zootopia versus Tinkerbell. James and the Di- Giant Peach versus Brother Bear. Planes. Versus Rescuers Down Under. Finding Nemo versus Nomeo and Juliet. The Lion King versus Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Hunchback of Notre Dame versus Cars 2. Monsters Inc. versus Fox and the Hound 2. Toy Story 3 versus Song of the South. Alice in Wonderland versus Tangled Before Ever After. Ratatouille versus Atlantis Lost Empire. DuckTales the Movie versus Tigger Pooh Musical. Pinocchio versus The Good Dinosaur. Whew. Final side of the bracket. Frozen versus. Tinkerbell, Legend of Wally versus Doug's first movie A Bug's Life versus Frankenweenie Toy Story 2 versus Chicken Little Peter Pan versus Fun and Fancy Free Mulan 2 versus Big Hero 6 Wreck-It Ralph versus In Search of Santa Pocahontas versus Planes Fire and Rescue The Little Mermaid versus Tom Thumb and Thumbelina The Emperor's New Groove versus Pocahontas 2 A Goofy Movie Closet Favorite Disney Movie of Mine Versus The Wind Rises, Monsters University versus The Nightmare Before Christmas, Sleeping Beauty versus The Pirate Fairy, Enchanted versus Ralph Breaks the Internet, Fantasia versus Return to Neverland, and Cars versus Strange Magic. 128 Disney animated movies. Let's find out which is number one. Get on over to Twitter, follow It's Me, Gino B, and let's vote in those polls. It's a different year 
in, in baseball with the trade deadline, this is the first time that we've ever had a truly hard trade deadline with no waivers throughout the month of August. The trade deadline on July the 31st will be different. And it's going to be interesting to see how baseball teams will be approaching the new trade deadline because there are so many teams that are still in the mix. The single trade deadline will fall on July the 31st, which was usually the non-waiver trade deadline, but you still had a month to complete trades afterwards. That's not going to be the case. So now, is there going to be more movement or less movement because so many teams feel like they still have a shot? Let's go through the current I guess wild card standings is the best way to think about it because the teams that are in the division lead, they obviously think they have a shot and I think they're all going to be buyers, right? You look at the the Yankees, the Red Sox, they still think they're in the mix. They're going to be looking to upgrade. The Rays, they're going to, you never know with the Rays, but you have to imagine they're trying to upgrade. They're in the mix. We know the Twins want to upgrade and grab a pitcher or two. The Indians are looking for a bat. The Astros are looking for a starting pitcher. The A's are looking for pitching, starting, and relief. The Braves are looking for a starting pitcher. The Nationals need some bullpen help. Philly needs a starting pitcher. They're all going to be looking like they're they're buying. So they're going to be looking and shopping. Milwaukee, they need some pitching. The Cubs need what they're reported to need and want a veteran bat and a left-handed Arm in the bullpen. St. Louis could use a little bit of help. The Dodgers absolutely are looking for some bullpen help. And then one of the more difficult teams is the the Padres. We really don't know with the Padres. They went in all in, kind of got Machado last year. Are they going to shop someone like Kirby Yates? Or we hear them in rumors for someone maybe even trying to buy in on Noah Syndergaard. So you never know. There are some teams that are kind of in the middle, right? And those teams are the Padres, the Angels, the Rangers, Pittsburgh, Colorado, San Francisco, Arizona. You don't know with them yet. Are they going to trade some of their their assets and and just say, hey, we want to go younger. Let's get something for some of these free agents. Let's get off of some of these bad contracts. Or do they still feel like they're competitive enough because a lot of these teams aren't far out in their wildcard races? Right now, in the American League, Cleveland is currently the number one wild card spot. Oakland and Tampa are tied for the second spot. That they're a game behind Cleveland. So those three teams are battling for the top two spots right now. But then right behind them, you have Boston. Boston's two games behind behind both of them, Tampa and Oakland. Texas is four and a half games behind Tampa, uh, Tampa and Oakland. And the Angels are five and a half games behind. So that AL wildcard spot, it's not nearly as deep as the NL, the race, but with Cleveland, Oakland, Tampa, and Boston, and I'm not, I mean, Texas, they played really well early on in the season. I I don't think they have enough to contend, but I'm not 100% ready to completely write Texas out. It it does, though, look like it's going to be four teams battling for two spots there with Cleveland, Oakland, Tampa, and Boston, and two of those four teams are probably going to get in. Now, on the National League side, we have Washington, who's the number one wildcard team. We have Milwaukee, who's the second wildcard team. They're a game and a half behind Washington, but they're both in as the top two wildcard spots. Then behind them, St. Louis is only a half game behind 
Philadelphia is only a half game behind Milwaukee, as is St. Louis. Arizona is only a game and a half behind. The Giants are only two and a half behind. Colorado is only four behind. San Diego is only four behind. And Pittsburgh is only four and a half games behind Milwaukee. So you see there are a lot more teams there and a couple of central teams who are going to play each other quite a bit. There's a lot that could still happen. still feels like there's a lot more movement that will happen out in the National League because it's been a, a league with a lot more parity. It's been a more balanced league because let's be honest, the American League has the a, a couple of the worst teams in the entire league. After you get past Miami, and Miami is not even that bad of a team, the rest of the National League isn't really that bad. You're looking at teams like Cincinnati, the Mets, you know, they're they're talented teams, you know, Pittsburgh, and then some of the bottom feeders in the National League West. Those aren't as bad of teams as Baltimore, Toronto, Kansas City, Detroit, Seattle. There's some pretty bad teams. So that's why there's, you know, the discrepancy between the American and the National League this year. The National is just much more balanced. So it looks like the true sellers, I think the teams that are out of it and they will be probably the most important part of this whole deadline. Who are they giving up? How much are they going to be asking and offers prices for some of these players? Baltimore, Detroit, Kansas City, Toronto, Seattle, the White Sox, Miami, probably the Mets and Cincinnati. You have to think that they're the true sellers. And then the couple that are really key, San Francisco, Arizona, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Texas. They're all teams that have a lot to offer, but if they're in the mix, like the Indians, we keep getting rumor, hearing rumors about the Indians possibly... You know, having Bauer on the trade, how could on the trade deadline or ha- having Bauer on the trading block? How they're the number one wild card team right now? They have a legitimate chance to win their division too. Minnesota's been reeling a little bit. Cleveland is making a huge bid to win that division. They're only four games behind Minnesota right now. There's no way they can trade Bauer until the off season. But they're looking around and they're trying to shop for a bat. Cleveland, they need a little help offensively. You know, you look at Texas with Mike Miner, who has a two seven three ERA, and he's owed just nine point five million next year. So you get Mike Miner not only for your playoff push and and your you know hopefully a playoff run, but you get him for next year at nine point five million. And Texas has some other interesting pieces. You know, Hunter Pence, Logan Forsythe, Asdrubal Carrera, all veterans who can go help a team. Don't even have to play every day. Versatile. Experienced, give you another decent bat in your lineup, add a little versatility to your lineup. Danny Santana, Jose LeClerc could be options for more than a year. Those Cubbies looking like, yeah, they, they need a, Madden mentioned he wanted a veteran, steady veteran bat and maybe a lefty in the bullpen. I sure think, I feel like they could use maybe even just another not awesome starting pitcher, but maybe someone who can give them a couple starts, maybe like a spot starter. Back end of the rotation guy A lot of questions about Cindergard As the Mets are now asking a lot for Cindergard during a down year That's the thing, you're asking a lot for a pitcher Who we know can be very good But he's not being He's not been very good this year So it's hard, that's why A lot of reports I'm reading And I wouldn't be surprised if Cindergard Just stays, because 
You know you're not going to get back what you want for him because he's having such a bad year. And unless someone comes in and is willing to overpay for him because they really need some help making their their playoff push, then I think Syndergaard will probably stay clear uh, with uh, with the Mets. Marcus Stroman from Toronto, he's an interesting one. He's under contract through next year. I I'm pretty pretty sure he will move somewhere. Bumgarner and Will Smith for the Giants. The Giants are playing well now. They're they're only two and a half games behind Milwaukee for the second wild card. They're only one game under five hundred now. They're forty eight and forty nine. They've won six games in a row and they're nine and one in their last ten. Right at the point when they they have to decide because they don't have time. As we mentioned, these teams have to decide now in the next week, week and a half, week ten days. Are we gonna are we selling? Or are we buying? We're not gonna have. Another opportunity to go pick up extra players through the months of August and you know August and into September. It's just we have to make these additions now if we want these players to be available to to help us make make the playoffs and to be on the playoff rosters. So yeah, with Bumgarner, with Will Smith, them they're playing well. Because Minnesota, Milwaukee, Houston, the Phillies, they were all rumored to be very interested in Bumgarner. We heard the Yankees and the Red Sox even. Uh, you know, a lot of teams. Atlanta was another one. There's a lot of teams that would would couldn't Cubs. Why couldn't they use Bumgarner? What about Arizona? Arizona's only a game and a half behind Milwaukee. They're 49 and 48. They're right in the mix for a wild card, but they have a lot of players that they could possibly deal because they did pretty well. Getting rid of some of their big pieces And getting back lots of young players Who are actually a little bit ahead of schedule This Arizona team is better than they expected to be right now They might be okay with Selling a couple More veterans, getting a couple more pieces And just saying, hey We're shooting really for next year anyway So let's just keep letting everybody get some playing time They could get rid of David Peralta, Greg Holland Alex Avila, Andrew Chafin Andrew uh, uh, Gerard Dyson Jones, Adam Jones There's a lot of pieces that the Diamondbacks could or A lot of teams would use one of those A fill-in vet Another arm, a bullpen piece They have plenty to offer They're a team that's going to be They have to make their decision soon Buyers or sellers Trevor Bauer, no I'm saying no way midseason Matthew Boyd for Detroit Detroit has a couple pretty interesting pieces And Matthew Boyd who's under contract until 2020 And Shane Green A bullpen piece who has been excellent And everybody's needing bullpen arms this year I expect both of those two to be on the move The Mets just sent Zach Wheeler to the injured list Supposed to not be too serious But he was a big Maybe one of the top pitchers that was reported to move Around the trade deadline And now he gets hurt right before So this could be a massive negative for the Mets Or maybe a team that that trades for him If he gets healthy in the next week Comes back to try to show he's healthy And somebody trades for him And he's not 100% healthy I don't like the Zach Wheeler situation at all right now What about the Reds? Tanner Rourke, Sonny Gray Both of them could be moving Do they have any other Pieces now if they continue to lose a couple more games They've struggled to start the second half I like the the Reds and the way they were playing But they've gone the opposite way In the last few And they're uh, they're in some trouble right now What about a guy like Kirby Yates For San Diego If they still feel like maybe they're not quite there Do you get a prospect Or do you get something uh, you know, A couple pieces back for one of the best closers In the game A lot of teams would be interested in Kirby Yates 
Toronto, a couple more pieces too out of the the bullpen. Ken Giles, who's been good. He's been an up and down closer, but he's been very good again this year. And then Daniel Hudson Hudson has been good throughout the year. Aaron Sanchez is versatile. Some teams would use him as a back end starter or maybe long road, uh, long relief. Kansas City, Jake Diekman and Ian Kennedy. We've also heard stuff about perhaps Whit Merrifield uh, that some teams could be interested in. And then a big closer. Name that's been floated around a lot And he may be uh, One who you have to pay quite a bit for Is Felipe Vasquez who is a lefty closer For the Pirates 98 miles per hour He's a 4 pitch closer He's under contract through 2021 And the Dodgers have been rumored To be interested in him but I don't know how many prospects the Dodgers Would be willing to give up They've been We've seen that's why they've been a a sustained solid team because they don't give a lot of their prospects up. They didn't give up Jock. They didn't give up Seager. They didn't give up Bellinger. And look what it's done for them now. Um, as those three are you know big big pieces of your uh, of your lineup and of your everyday you know production. Still a couple weeks. Man, about a week and a half for that MLB trade deadline. It's going to be different this year. It's a completely different look. Another one to mention: Nicholas Castellanos from. Uh, Detroit could be another bat that could help a lineup. Capable bat could get you a big hit in the playoffs or in a big series. Okay, let's start talking some horse racing. Saratoga canceled their Saturday card. They moved it to Sunday. So there are going to be a lot of focus on Monmouth Park because the weather is scheduled to be really, really hot, pushing over 100 degrees at Monmouth Park. And it is the Haskell Day on Saturday, July the 20th. So get your past performances out for Saturday, July 20th at Monmouth. I'm not going to go through all the card. I'm just going to pick uh, races 5, 10, 11, and 12 at Monmouth. And then at Del Mar, we'll go over races 4, 5, and 8. A couple horses I like in, in those spots. So let's go to the fifth race. It is the Ocean Port. And, you know, you look through this field, the Ocean Port is three year olds and up, mile and a 16th on the turf course. Divisadero is real classy. A lot of us know the name. He's been in you know graded stakes, late runner on the turf for the last couple of years. Millionaire projected is a name probably familiar to some. Just Howard's been pretty consistent. It's an okay grade three race, but the way that I see this race on paper, I don't think there's a lot of speed in here. Right, Divisadero is a stone cold closer. Bird's eye view is not really fast. And is not really coming out of fast races Dover Cliffs To me, looks like the horse is going to get the lead Because Projected's not fast Pismo Time is not really fast And Just Howard Is not really fast Dover Cliffs is coming out of a couple races That have been a, a little quicker early on I think with the inside draw The plan should absolutely be Hey, let's try to steal this race There's just not a lot of speed in here now, I could see a bird's eye view or a Pismo time or a Just Howard, but they haven't proven that. And I think Dover Cliffs is just naturally a little bit faster than them. If they all break the way they do and Dover Cliffs goes on with it, he could end up on the lead. Everybody could be very content with their with their places in a small field like this. And that's when speed horses are able to steal the race. It, a lot of times, you know, big fields, it's harder because you're going to accidentally get a couple horses that Push the pace that you weren't expecting In a race like this, hopefully everyone Can kind of pick out their spots And settle in them And Dover Cliffs can lope along on the front end If we can get 
six to one on Dover Clips or so. Let's bet. Uh, let's bet this one to win the number three in race number five at Monmouth Park, Dover Cliffs. Let's go to race eight. Or no, uh, race race eight is the Molly Pictor and Midnight Beast who's going to be in there. So I'm not really going to talk about the race, but she's awesome. She's perfect on the year. She is the best Philly uh, older Philly or mayor right now. Uh, she'll have to prove she can go a little farther because mile and a sixteenth is is her trip. We'll see about the mile and an eighth. That's in the eighth race. So just that's just a watch race. Uh, race number eight at Monmouth Park. Let's get to the 10th Next race we're going to play The 2 Lemonade Thursday Got a big number In his most recent win It was at Monmouth Park It was going a mile and a 16th He sat really really close And just looked like a winner all the way around the racetrack To be honest He was traveling well And he moved Got to the lead without being asked Have to Be Pleased with that first start At the age of 4 He's improved, he's matured I'm not really concerned With the fact that he earned a big number And maybe he'll bounce and take a step back Second start off the bench Because it wasn't a race where He was taxed at all He sat perfectly Right behind, moved to the lead And that was it He didn't run really hard on the front end To earn that big number He just sat a perfect trip so I don't think he's going to bounce in here. In fact, I think he's going to to improve. I don't know about you know numbers and figure wise, but I think with the race under his belt overall, he'll have a little more fitness, a little more bottom second start off the bench. You know, you look up and down this field. Have to assume Cole Front is on the lead. That's the case. Maybe Ball Harbor pushing, and or you know Ball Harbor. Right behind And I think that puts Lemonade Thursday in a good spot We'll see if Ball Harbor and Colefront push each other for Pletcher But Lemonade Thursday Is the type of horse who has That Tactical Tractable speed where He can take back and then Move pretty easily He seems like a pretty handy horse And if you go through his career Race by race His 8 race career He has Really only a couple poor performances And you can make legitimate excuses for them Great Second in his career debut Only beating the neck Then he comes back And he doesn't run well at Keeneland But we don't see him from October to June So let's excuse that race We can make a legitimate excuse Because horses definitely don't, don't go to the bench And the sidelines for no reason Comes back Saratoga in his first start Going long on the grass Need comes back at Laurel, excuse me, wins that Laurel, then has a poor race later at Saratoga. Other than that, you have the other race at Laurel on October the 26th. Again, runs and then he doesn't run for eight months afterwards. Those are always races you can make an excuse for. So, Lemonade Thursday, put a line through October 28th, October 26, 2018. Just eliminate that race, eliminate the Keeneland race on October the 7th. 2017. Now look at the form. He tossed two races out. Now there are six races left on the page. There's one poor race that's going long on the grass at Saratoga. And it really wasn't that bad of a race, to be honest, in a big field. Not beaten a whole heck of a lot. The form looks really good. Are there any monsters in here? On a good day, Cole Front can be very good. Sure. Absolutely. 
He's speedy though He's not coming off a great race he, Did he face a lot tougher? Absolutely He'll have to, to prove it at the mile in an eighth Rest of this field You know, Ball Harbor's okay Monagalia's okay I think this could be a great spot for Lemonade Thursday To step up and, and run really well The two horse In race number 10 at Monmouth Park on Saturday Lemonade Thursday If we can get anything around 7-2 to two or so On Lemonade Thursday Race number 11 I'm so fancy Is going to be really tough in here The two She was a nice mare overseas in Ireland Group stakes winner And she hooked some nice ones You look through her running lines Really good ones Magical Top Top notch uh, Contenders Top class She comes over The US Hadn't raced from September of 2018 Until May of 2019 And she made her first start in the Gallaret And She ran Pretty well that day in a race that was strong It's produced three next out winners Including I'm So Fancy And the winner Mitchell Road Just faced grade one company That's a really tough one to pass When she's able to get out front Mitchell Road is really really quick And tough and speedy You see Viva Vegas came back to win So yeah those three next out winners One of them was So Fancy winning At Laurel Park on June the 16th Settled nicely in fourth Was tucked inside Was three off Angled around four wide Just looked like a total pro That was now her second start in the US Her second start for this barn That was the first time McCarthy was aboard Now he's figured her out a little bit Now third off the bench Third time US Third time Delacour Second time McCarthy Lots of things to like about I'm so fancy She deserves to be around 5-2 to two in here So if she's anything over that price Let's put a win wager on I'm so fancy Total respect for Competition of ideas And Zenobia to the outside I would not talk you off Zenobia She was squeezed back at the start She was dead last She was about 10 lengths off It wasn't a great beginning For her first start Since August of 2018 But she settled She traveled well She moved up to within a few lengths She was three deep at the top of the lane And then she faded Just totally looked like a race That was a a good setup race That she would get more out of I don't know how good she is Or if she's good enough to beat Some of the tops in here Like Competition of ideas and I'm so fancy But you could include her In some of your exotics if she doesn't get bet too hard Xenobia But we're going with the two I'm so fancy Anything over 5-2 to two seems like value To me 12th waist at Monmouth Park It is the Haskell Let's go horse by horse in here King for a day He's really tough to knock He hasn't done much wrong in it. <laughs> You always <laughs> I love when I can hear myself start to get high you, you know, he's really he doesn't have, uh, the, the high voice, the high pitched voice It's great, I can catch myself sometimes He is um, <laughs> He's looking for his third win in a row He has this style in a racehorse That I absolutely love Where he has some, some speed But he's better off When he's sitting right behind And when you have that kind of a style You're able to adapt So nicely to different to different races, to races that you know a little quicker early on. If something happens and you have that style, and you're you're shuffled back a little bit, but you're able to kind of move whenever you'd like, move inside, move outside, press button. King for a day is, is that kind. He just took it to maximum security last time out. They faced in in the Pegasus, and that was King for a day's second 
victory in a row. You go back to King for a day's career debut. He lost to Complexity when Complexity was really good at that time. He was only beaten a couple lengths in the Kentucky Jockey Club when he made a big sweeping move and he was only he was behind Signalman and Limonite and Pluque Perfet who were fine contenders at that time. They were good two-year-olds then. The big key to the race for me with King for a day is what will the chosen tactics be for him from the rail? Are they going to try to be a little more aggressive and and stay out of some trouble or do they decide, "Hey, let's take back a little bit." Because when King for a day looks to his outside, he has Jovia who is going to be on the lead. The only race he's really only shown speed and he's he's only been one-dimensional. Bethlehem Road is going to be forwardly placed. Mucho Gusto is going to be forwardly placed. Maximum Security is going to be very forwardly placed. So in this field of seven, there legitimately could be six horses on the lead. And any combinations of those six, if you told me that one, two, three, four, five, six of them were on the lead, it wouldn't surprise me. And that's why when I handicap this race, I think a horse you have to use if you're playing multi-race exotics or if you're playing exactas, trifectors, and supers. I still... I'm having a tough time We'll see what price he is on the win end I'll still probably throw him in on some pick fours Or pick threes if you play anything like that But it's ever fast Because who else in this race Really wants to Close and take back And pass horses late Nobody besides Everfast. Nobody you know, Jovia who was third in the Belmont Showed speed And then you know backed up a little bit And he showed speed sprinting He's like legitimately got speed. Same thing with King for a day. He's really quick. He was right on the outside of maximum security. Spun to run adds the blinkers. He's never been you know farther than like a half length out of it early on. But he's probably not as fast as the others. And he's dealing with a layoff issue. He hasn't raced since March. He's never gone a mile in an eighth, and he's never faced horses of this class level. But I, you know, you a horse like him, they can't be saying, "Yeah, let's sit five lengths off in here." Their best races have been up close. They want to do what is best for them. Spun to run won't be far out of it. Bethlehem Road, he didn't have the great the greatest start at Thistledown in the Ohio Derby. Prior to that, he's been really quick out of the gate, and he still flashed some early interest even after the not great start. What I love about Mucho Gusto for Baffert is that. He's seeming like he's improving He's getting better He seems like he's more of a now horse Like I look at this race and it feels like Mucho Gusto and King for a Day are going the right way And I don't know if Maximum Security is I think he might be kind of Where he is And that might still be good enough to win But I don't from a from a race shape standpoint I just don't know if it's going to be the best for maximum security And I'll give Mucho Gusto The nod over maximum security Solely Based on what I've seen from him In a couple of his starts He can sit off a little bit if they go quick He can sit two lengths behind And then angle out and come running He broke well from the outside But he he didn't Run off He sat third Fourth, he was three deep, but he was always in the clear. He was always wide, and it looked like that was the the point. Okay, we, we can stay a little wide, but we don't want to ha- necessarily have him ten lengths behind. We don't want to have him way off of it and have to maneuver through traffic. But we can sit 
just off horses and in the clear with a target. Absolutely. And I'm hoping that's mucho gusto in here. Maybe just a couple lengths off. A length or two off sitting just behind. Just beat Roadster, looking for his third win in a row. I mean, what has he done wrong in his career? I think sometimes horses like Mucho Gusto don't get the respect they deserve just because they're not as good as the big name stars, right? Just because Mucho Gusto doesn't doesn't make the derby and he's not game winner, still a very nice animal. And he might be, you know, one of those Baffert horses that peaks in the middle to the second half of the season that we've seen in the last couple of years. Ever fast. This Belmont really wasn't that bad. And because the the way that the the race shape in the mile and a half races go, you end up getting a little closer. And those races don't end up setting up for stone cold closers like Everfast because they're not as quick throughout and they just don't get the type of setup that Everfast should get in here. I mean, as you mentioned, any one of those, hor- like this combinations of Kingford A, Jovia, Spunder Run, Bethlehem Road, Mucho Gusto, Maximum Security, they could all be on the lead. They could all be pushing each other. There could be two of them, three of them, four of them. Maybe maximum security is faster than all of them. And from the outside, that's the perfect draw for maximum security. And let's be honest, I'm not going to play him in this spot just because I think we'll see what the the actual tote board looks like. But when you have a horse like maximum security and he's the quote-unquote derby winner, even though he wasn't, he crossed the, the wire first in the derby, I think his reputation... He'll always get bet a little bit more because people know his name, and he's become more of a, a like a popular, well-known horse just because of the controversy with the DQ and everything. But he he did have legitimate trouble. That was a bad bump, kind of bumped around. He recovered well, but you never know how much that bump takes out of you when you go down. So I'm not I'm not expecting him to run dead last in here. But I am expecting him to get beat And I am playing the race Like he will get beat With Mucho Gusto On top And um, if Mucho Gusto We'll see what the price is Like if, if we can get maybe if we can get 5-2 on him That'd be great, I don't think we will And in, in the, uh, the exotics I, The other horses would obviously be King for a day, Everfast, and Maximum Security But if you're going to take the approach that you want to beat, Try to beat Maximum Security I would play 5-6-1 Mucho Gusto, Everfast, King for a Day Combinations with those three Hope that Maximum Security Was very good early on in the year And maybe he's just passed his best We see that a lot of times with horses That's what we're hoping from a gambling standpoint I I don't Truth be told, I don't I think Maximum Security is going to run well But I don't want to bet him in here Uh, I think he'll probably hit the board But I do like Mucho Gusto I do like King for a Day Better I would play either one of them To win over maximum security to win I think they're both legitimate Other contenders If you're looking for a horse to bet to win And then Everfast if you want to go A little outside the box He gets a great setup I don't know if he's good enough To win this kind of a race But there are versions Of the way this race is run When everyone goes to the lead They all hook up and Everfast is just Chilling behind them all saying See ya in a bit, suckers And he just angles out Runs right on by So the Haskell from just like a wagering standpoint Gonna be one that We'll have to really see What the, the tote board looks like Five, you know, you, you know 
how I'm going to approach this race If Kingford A is a good price, bet him to win If Mucho Gusto is a good price Bet him to win If not, maybe you try to beat Maximum Security together and you just play the two of them In exactas with Everfast And you hope Maximum Security runs third You try to get Mucho Gusto, Kingford A And Everfast in your top two spots That might be an approach of mine We'll see how the uh, how the odds uh, reflect What I want to play on Saturday Delmar Saturday July 20th Let's do a quick little look at uh, at Delmar Let's get your past performances out The early races I was going to put a Honestly I was going to try to play a pick 5 They're not great They're they're just not deep I, It feels like it's going to be really formful In the early part of the card A lot of chalk So I'm not going to During the summer when there's so many opportunities I'm never going to force it And I'm never going to go through sequences that I don't like Or that are not interesting or that don't have a big name or a big star horse in there or For some reason that we want to play it A good horse to bet If it's just a small field And not going to be a good betting opportunity No thank you, just going to move on So let's go to race number 4 This is not a good betting opportunity But this is a definite race to watch Because you will see A horse who was one of the better horses in training last year Catalina Cruiser I still don't think a lot of us really know How good this horse is Because the only time where we we expected to see him have to get tested was in the Breeders' Cup, and he just didn't show up with his A game that day for whatever reason. Now he just traveled out of California and won at Belmont Park. He won the Grade True True North, going six and a half furlongs. He did that from the inside after a slow start. He was extremely, extremely impressive. Covered, he was just off a few lengths He was in between horses, it wasn't the smoothest First half mile for him, but then he got a great Split, he got a great opening He angled out with dead aim and he gets up in the Final strides, he beat a couple really nice Sprinters, the the big issue With Catalina Cruiser is, he is a Perennial slow starter Always a, a slow start Always a slow start, even in the races where he's Shown speed, it's like a slow start Then he moves up, and that's not gonna work Well against the top, top level Sprinters but in a race like this In the San Diego going a mile in a 16th A slow start is not going to hurt him Nearly as much And he may not even Start as slow because Less pressure to get out of the gate Real quick He's probably the horse to catch I mean he's really versatile I, I don't know the way I'd imagine coming out of that quicker race That, that they just handle him like the, That he's the best and send him away Because Nobody's that fast in here, right? Draft pick, Dr. Door, higher power, core beliefs. We're not talking about speed demons. They all have a little bit of like positional speed. Gonna be a good spot for Catalina Cruiser. And then where does he go from here? They they're gonna have to make a decision. Is he a horse that they think can continue to get the distance and, and take a shot at the Breeders' Cup Classic? Or you cut him back to a mile. Or a sprint, you have a lot of options with, with a horse like Catalina Cruiser Plenty of opportunities So, you know, the rest of this field I just don't think this is a race to bet Core beliefs He really, like, never in it in the Gold Cup Was a winner, greatest stakes winner in New Orleans prior to that But his, he's been a little spotty I just, we haven't seen him race a whole lot Lately I don't like the layoff, 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 layoff Higher power showed speed on the grass he, I, I don't think he's going to be quick enough To contend with Catalina Cruiser early So it, he probably does just get the lead from the inside Draft pick is in nice form He was third of four He sat behind the top two battling He angled four wide after an early move Forced him 
wider. He kept trying hard as the four horses lined up across the racetrack at the top of the lane. It was a determined win for draft pick last time out. It was a small field, but they all showed up with a good effort, and draft pick got the better of them, even with a, a wide journey. Mongolian groom, Doctor Door, not really huge fans of either. either uh, yeah, so this is just a watch race in race number four. Let's see how good Catalina Cruiser is. Can he take another step forward? And then uh, where will he end up next? Two plays for you at Del Mar throughout the card. Race number five, maiden special weights, fillies and mares, three year olds and up. The key to this race is that it is six and a half furlongs. Because when I see six and a half furlongs, that generally means I want a horse who has a little bit of experience. Now, some races, there are no horses with experience, so that can't work. But in a race like this, where you have some first time starters, I like a horse who has a little experience. And in particular, I want a horse who's gone a little farther because cutting back from a mile to six and a half furlongs is a really nice cutback. It gives you some more fitness, it gives you a little bit more bottom. And I look at the horses who have run. I'm going to go to the three, Sunny Dale. In her last start, she tried the dirt for the first time after a couple shots on the grass, and she came out of actually some pretty decent races on the grass, and she started to show some improvement. But on the dirt, she broke well. She was in the three path going into the turn. She was just two off. She was all bunched up, and and then she was in the two path waiting for room. She got a seam. She shot through. She actually had the lead at the top of the lane before tiring. Wasn't a bad effort. First start in a couple months. It was going a mile, now cuts back I think this horse should have a lot more punch late So I'm expecting a really big effort From the number 3, Sunny Dale In race number 5 at Del Mar If we can get anything over 5-2 to 5-2 to two or so on Sunny Dale That's worthy of a win wager Make sure to use Sunny Dale in all of your exotics Let's go to race number 8 Now it's been An unbelievably bad year for jockey Alonzo Quinones Who has been always a jockey That's around 10% He's always been in the like 8 to 12% Right around there So not definitely not bad Very capable with good horses Through the years This year right now He is 2 for 124 And he has 16 seconds And 20 thirds So when you look at that The in the money percentage really isn't even that bad And he's only 1-2 is it unlucky? Is it just bad making bad moves? Is it wrong horses? Like, That's a massive number That's a number that's hard for me to look past And yet I'm going to do it <laughs> I'm going to do it We have to get 5-1 to one on overemphasize though She should be One of the favorites in here She should be like 3-1 to one or 7-2 to two. But because of a jockey who's really cold you have to demand a little bit more value. If it was a top jock, I think she, if she would she would be right there and be one of the betting choices. And she still might get bet a little bit. So if she does, it's hard to, to play her at anything under five to one. But you look at her last start. She was tucked inside at the rail with nowhere to go. She tried to go in between horses, couldn't get through, then angled inside, and she ran really well. She was just unlucky. But is it unlucky or is it? A jockey who has been kind of in a, in a cold streak And maybe just hitting the wrong holes It happens in every sport, right? Some of the best baseball players have a bad year A bad month A bad two years A bad 
you know, a couple years with a certain team. How about a football player, quarterback, or a team in a, a different offense? So it happens to, to all all levels of athlete in every sport. But let's give Quinones a big shot here. Come on, overemphasize Alonzo. Let's get off the side here and let's get overemphasize home. Let's play a win wager on overemphasize as long as we can get five to one on that one in the eighth race at Del Mar on Saturday, July the 20th. Final segment of the show. Some big little thoughts. Okay, we just watched Big Little Lies, Season 2, Episode 6. So if you haven't caught up, spoiler alert, go watch the episode and then come back and, uh, and finish the, uh, the podcast. The episode starts with the same flashback of Perry's death from Renata's view. She seems a little rattled at first, Renata does, when we see her in the flashback with the dark hair. But after a minute she's telling everyone Nobody did this and we see the women Kind of gathering themselves and figuring out What they're going to do after Perry has been pushed by Bonnie First Thing we actually see is uh, Is Jane going to Corey's After uh, He comes back from the police Bonnie saw him, Bonnie told Jane She asks if he's a cop Corey mentions that he was just called in for questioning By Detective Quinlan and the, the detective had asked all about Corey and Jane's relationship, Perry's death. Does Corey know anything about that? Does he know um, about Jane and Perry's history? The detective thinks that the one of these women will crack. She thinks that they are lying. She knows there is more to this story. And she's now at the point where she's trying to get them and some of the people in their lives to get them to turn against each other. Mary Louise and Detective Quinlan, they're... Watching tape statements from Celeste We see they're looking for inconsistencies That Mary Louise can perhaps use To get the kids away from her And that the detective can perhaps use And they can maybe give this information to the lawyer To use against Celeste in the testimonies And and then maybe that'll trigger another investigation And Detective Quinlan can, can get something out of that too They're all, they're all in, in cahoots here Trying to get Celeste to crack The... Monterey 5, they have a little powwow We see them go to meet again At one of their late night spots And Madeline and Bonnie Kind of have a heated interaction Where Madeline, they, they're starting to argue And kind of blame each other And Madeline says You pushed him We see Bonnie confessing to someone Then it looks like it's just a dream As she's writing in her journal Bonnie's mom's still in the hospital Madeline and Ed they're discussing the powwow that Madeline just had with the women And she's telling Ed about the the back and forth she had with Bonnie But she's obviously not telling him why He doesn't know about the, the murder of, of Perry Or Perry's death And what really happened And he's frustrated Because he can tell that she's leaving out some big deets Madeline She's trying now She wants to make this work with Ed She talks to Renata Renata, I want what I want to tell Ed, and Renata convinces her. No, you cannot tell him. You can't. Jane, frustrated with everything, will not return Corey's calls or text. I'm not sure if she believes him or doesn't, but this is definitely not what she needed, right? As she was starting to let him in after what she's been through. Bonnie then has a vision of her suffocating her mom with a pillow in the hospital, which. Is something she gets to in a minute When she's discussing her mom's 
death and euthanasia, really. The hearing for the boys and to see if Celeste is a fit mother. Mary Louise comes over to tell Celeste we're always a family no matter what before it starts. And Celeste is, no, we're not. God. Streep, Mary Louise is just so condescending. You just, she's so hateable. God, I dislike her so much. So the judge discusses that the child psychiatrist has given him a report. Both parties get to view the report for 24 hours before they report back. Celeste is upset in tears. Her lawyer mentions again that maybe settling is a good idea. And Celeste obviously does not want to do that. She does not want to split custody with Mary Louise. The doctors tell Bonnie and Bonnie's dad that there's nothing they can do uh, more for Bonnie's mom. And that's when Bonnie's mom asks if they can kill her with morphine like a dog. A lot of unsolved issues in that relationship. Renata and Gordon's housekeeper, Juliet, is forced to leave their house now because they don't have any money to pay her anymore. She asks about her severance, which Renata lets her know it will be taken care of in the uh, in, in a hearing soon. Renata obviously likes her, and, and she's very sad to see her go. She's trying to help her find a new job. Jane and Ziggy, they're out boogie boarding when they see Corey. And he mentions to Jane, he's not giving up, he's not walking away, he's not done with her, he's not going to let her push him away. Madeline and Bonnie see each other at the courtroom, and Madeline apologizes to Bonnie for the other day, for their uh, interactions and for accusing her and putting all the blame on her. Celeste then takes the stand, and this is where things kind of get a little, a little rough for Celeste. She gets asked about the abusive relationship with Perry, she gets... Asked if the physical violence led to sex She mentions that he beat her up And they talk about how she never called the police Or told anyone except her therapist And the the lawyer is doing a great job Like Mary Louise's lawyer is really good He's doing a great job of making Celeste look unstable Not look good Kind of circling around her words quite a bit They ask if the, you know yeah, about the physical violence leading to sex and Mary Louise has obviously been having Celeste watched and followed because she has been with many men, many sexual partners who they have, you know, pictures and video of of all of her interactions. She mentions that she was doing some drinking and she doesn't know a lot of their names. So as these guys pop up, she doesn't really know their names. She's calling them Joe and I think Jim, <laughs> Joe, Jack. They have. She has to mention drinking, not knowing their names, sex in the bathroom, aggressive sex in the bathroom. Does not come off well. And Mary Louise is loving this. They've built a good case so far against Celeste. She even has to mention taking Ambien. They know about her car accident where she drives off the road. Celeste then addresses the court and she says, you know, I'm in the process of healing right now. Then the lawyer asks if she's ever been violent with the boys, which... She's pushed them down a couple times when they've been Violent with her or when they've been Disrespectful to her Smacked them And they ask if She's ever been violent with her mother-in-law Which she has, she smacked the crap Out of her So everything is just coming off really bad For Celeste It Then she gets accused She literally, the lawyer accuses her Of pushing Perry down the stairs He literally accuses her of murder He accuses her of killing Perry They pull out a diagram and it shows 
how he fell, where he fell, the stairs, and how if he was tripped or if he was pushed where he ended up. She said she did not push him and that he lost his balance. And and that's it for then for that. Where that's it for the first part of Celeste being on the stand. And we see the women now go to counsel, talk to Celeste after the hearing is over for the day. And Renata is furious with the lawyer. That lawyer, Celeste's lawyer, is just awful. She literally does nothing. Literally does nothing. The women are counseling Celeste. Uh, the lawyer wants to get her back up there, though, which I do think is a positive. That is a positive that she says, I want to get you back up there and I want to build you back up and make you look better. Everywhere we look, we see the detective Quinlan looming in the courtroom, ominously hanging around in the background. She's got pictures of everyone. She's watching through. She's just waiting for somebody to make a mistake. Next up, we see Ed hanging out with Tori. He's out having a drink with Tori, discussing having an affair. And she is pretty bold. Pretty, pretty bold. She just tells it exactly what she wants. She said she is not trying to be the victim. She's attracted to Ed. I want you. She offers a one-time thing or an ongoing thing. She is very assured of her, uh, very sure of herself. And she wants Ed right now. And Ed, for someone who has never really gotten this kind of attention from Madeline, has to be loving this. A woman coming up and saying, I want you. I want you now. Whatever way you want it. This is what... That's that's not what he's used to. Then we see Madeline and Ed talk. And she wants to earn his trust back. And he says, it can't just happen. You can't just wave a wand. But he can see that she's trying. Then... We see Jane go to see Mary Louise And Jane is furious Everybody's furious with Mary Louise as they should be She's trying to take The kids from Celeste She is a bad person She obviously has skeletons There are lots of issues with Mary Louise And she is content and happy With ruining everyone's lives Torpedoing them She's rude, she's disrespectful God I hate her So Jane goes to see her She tells Mary Louise to call it off And Mary Louise says she knows Celeste is not well And then she accuses Jane Of coming To murder Perry And now what's happening is Ziggy is spending time with with Mary Louise And so Ziggy's starting to tell Mary Louise Little things that she's using against them That's what she does She's so manipulative, manipulative She uses all these things that everyone else says Or these small things that she knows about you Against you to really prey on your emotions So As Jane is furious while she's Basically accusing him of coming here to murder Perry And of murdering Perry She, Mary Louise Locks the doors, turns up the music To drown out Jane who's like outside Knocking on the door and screaming at her Mary Louise She's content with herself She's screwing everything up For everyone, she's demented and she Loves it, she's just trying In, In her mind She's doing justice for her son So she doesn't feel like anything she's doing is wrong Even though She is an absolute loon Celeste is at home She's having a few drinks The night before the next day of court Because she's obviously very nervous She's going to have to go in there And she's going to have to get back up on the stand After she looked bad and she got rattled She's having visions of Perry again Ed comes home with the kids He brings uh, some food for Madeline But Madeline's in the other room She looks like she's Cleaning everything out from her closet She's drinking I think 
She has her wedding dress on Well half on because it doesn't fit And she's playing and singing the song That was their wedding song that Ed had picked out So Ed walks in and sees And she just looks like an absolute mess But it's funny and Ed actually loves it She seems to have scored Major points She's in her wedding dress that doesn't fit Dancing to the wedding song that Ed picked out And he said it's almost like you waved a wand So now will Ed go on with the affair Is he happy with the strides And the progress that, that he's making with Madeline Bonnie's mom Keeps appearing in Bonnie's dreams Anytime Bonnie's ad- asleep She's having flashbacks of Her mom when she was a kid th- Bad things her mom did to her Bonnie killing her mom um, telling All these different things with, with her mom Anytime Bonnie's cl- eyes are closed Her mom is in there And she's just trying to come to terms With the fact that her mom's about to die And I think she has a lot that she wants to tell her and how you know how much her mom has hurt her through the years. Celeste is now on the stand next day. She's getting questioned by her lawyer. They mentioned that she was thrown off yesterday when she heard about the men. She wasn't expecting that. But she is getting help with her therapist. She is taking Ambien. Celeste agrees that she will get help for sex issues because the judge has major concerns that she has a problem. Some sort of sex dependency Or unhealthy sex problem Celeste explains What she wanted when she was having these interactions With the men and I think this is a point Where she comes off very well because Let's let's think about this Any one of us Who have dealt with major tragedy In any way Now this is a soap opera And she's involved in the killing and stuff But if, you, if you've lost someone in your life Anyone that you love Especially if it's someone that was You were physical with A boyfriend, girlfriend, wife, husband Anything like that A lot of times we feel numb I mean mothers, fathers And and what people that have been with us forever People that we've loved You feel numb when they're gone And what ends up happening is You go seek out like Physical relationships Because you just want to feel something other than numb you go look for these things that are going to try to help you feel And most of the time they don't Occasionally one of them will But A lot of people deal with, with hardships that way And she said she, want, she wanted to be touched She's lost her husband She wanted it to be uncomplicated She didn't want to have to deal with you know, All of the issues that she's going on and, and have that weigh someone else down She wanted to be in control After what has just happened To her and she wanted to help push the memory of Perry out Because she had a lot of bad experiences With a guy who beat her Assaulted her, raped her But a man she loved That's like, that's a, that's a Those are conflicting feelings The judge asks why Celeste stayed with Perry all along And she said that she always thought he would get better And she was afraid of how he would react and what he would do She stayed with him for the survival of herself And of her boys Bonnie's mom wakes up for a second Sees Bonnie Bonnie doesn't know if it's real or not We don't really know if a lot of these things are real or not But it looks like it was real Because Bonnie Goes and closes the door And while her mom is asleep still Bonnie gets out her journal And she pours out her soul to her mom She tells her every reason Why she hates her, why she resents her She goes through all of the issues That Bonnie has and why they are Mainly because of what her mom did to her As a kid Now she's settled for Nathan Poor day, she took a shot at Nathan here 
Uh, she mentions having sex when she was only 13 years old. And she was trying to feel love from, from other people. And then she admits to killing Perry. She said, Mom, I, I was acting out the want to push you and the want to kill you, Mom. She wanted to kill her for everything that she did to Bonnie. And she took she projected that on Perry when she saw people she cared about that were in trouble. Bonnie's mom, as Bonnie finishes up and then walks away, we can tell that Bonnie's mom hears because she has a tear. So she is awake. She's hearing everything. She's faking it or whatever whatever state she's in. She's another handful when it comes to the moms in this show. Then we go to the bankruptcy meeting where Renata and Gordon are there and everyone who is owed something from them is there trying to claim and see what they can what they can get. The housekeeper, Juliet, we were introduced to a little earlier on, the nanny. She is seeking severance for what she was owed, the $70,000 for her salary for and then she's seeking $160,000 for things that she provided stress management and other services rendered. So not only is Gordon a liar, a schemer, a thief, he's also a cheater and an adulterer and Renata is absolutely furious. She is having one of those amazing Renata breakdown scenes where she's screaming and just you imagine her and what her life has in the last few weeks of this show completely unraveled from having every single thing in the world on the cover of the magazine, women in power, everything going great for you. And then all of a sudden you find out your daughter was having some struggles. She's in the hospital. You're not on, obviously you lose all your money. You're not on the cover of the magazine. Your husband's cheating on you. Not a great uh, few weeks for Renata. We see the judge the judge is prepared to make her decision, and before she does, Celeste stops her. Celeste wants to call one final witness. The judge says, no, I've, I've made my decision. I don't think one witness will change anything. But Celeste now wants to question Mary Louise because she wants to question Mary Louise's parental capacity. If Celeste doesn't have the parental capacity to raise these boys, doesn't the person who's trying to take custody have to also fit the same requirements? And so... They have rescheduled a new hearing a few days later. Celeste wants to question Mary Louise because Celeste is herself a lawyer and the judge agrees after a little coaxing. So we will now see Mary Louise and Celeste interact in the courtroom where Celeste can ask Mary Louise anything she wants and Mary Louise is bound by law to tell the truth. Where do the boys go? Do they go with Mary Louise? Do they go with Celeste? What happens? Jane and Corey, what happened with them? Is Corey telling the truth? Is he a cop? Is he not? Does Jane give him another shot? Somebody's dying, right? Somebody's getting killed in here in order to try to keep the secret, I feel. Bonnie's mom now knows. Do we ever see Bonnie actually going into a police station and confessing? Ed and Tori, what happens with them? Did they have their affair, their hot, steamy affair? Ed and Madeline. Did they continue to take steps forward or will Ed be frustrated when he at some point you feel like inevitably he's going to find out what happens and if it's not from Madeline, Ed's going to be very upset and maybe that's 
That's it Maybe that's the final straw When Ed finds out She didn't tell him about this He's not going to be mad at what he did what, what she did He gets hurt that she doesn't include him What happens with Bonnie and Nathan Now that Bonnie basically says she settled for him What about Renata and Gordon How can Renata not How can Renata Just give this guy any Ounce of an opportunity Get him out Renata Get him out of here It's your house And you live here It's your house And you live here Then the detective Who is Basically behind every closed door There's the detective Trying to get each and every one of these women To crack Trying to get them To give up the lie Because the lie is eating them all The big little lies That is big little thoughts Thank you for tuning in again folks If you can do me a big favor Get on over to iTunes Leave a nice 5 star rating and review Make sure to subscribe on YouTube Over on SoundCloud you can do the same Tune in we're on there Also on Google Podcasts So that's what G said all over the place Have a very nice weekend Enjoy the final episode of Big Little Lies uh, For season 2 Also enjoy the racing out there And we'll talk to you again in just a few days Joey my friend Take it away